On this episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pits to Podium, we focus on all the action from this year's Portuguese Grand Prix and especially analyzing Max Verstappen's mistakes and thinking, well, are they getting a bit too costly for a driver who seemingly has matured quite a fair bit? That is all that is to come along with other things like our Pits to Podium moment, analyzing the midfield battle, and even more so focusing on a very special achievement by one Haas driver. More on this right here, right now. Let's get into this. So welcome along, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Somal Arora. You might know me from the driving force on Hotstar. And joining me is Kunal Shah, who was the ex-marketing head of Force India Formula One and now works as a motorsport consultant from the VS Sport Network at Norway. And I can imagine, Kunal, back in the VS Sport studios, this race must have caused a few great discussions at the end of it. Because really, what a fascinating motor race. Not, not the most entertaining at all times, but ended up with a really good narrative where one driver really outclassed the others, showed why he's a seven-time world champion and reminded us that motor racing is still a lot about the driver, a lot about the human as well. <laughs> Absolutely, Samil. Thanks for that introduction. And I believe it was a classic motor race. You know, uh, What I really liked about uh, the Portuguese Grand Prix was uh, we were relying on absolute driver talent for exchanging track positions. You know, drivers were overtaking, were defending. Yes, of course, they had the aid of the DRS, you know. But still, at the end of the day, Lewis Hamilton pulled out one classic win. I think it was his 97th win, you know, and you know, we have this joke going between Samuel and myself about how many wins before Lewis Hamilton retires from Formula One. But yes, that's a previous episode we've done. But, you know, this win of Lewis Hamilton's again very very special because uh, you know he overtook three drivers on track for taking the lead of the race so first it was Max Verstappen a very decisive move then it was Valtteri Bottas and then of course a move that you know people don't really remember much Checo Perez as well so three overtaking moves to take the lead of the race and then win and this comes at a time Samuel when you know, Max Verstappen has been making small but silly errors through and through the season. And, you know, my math says that in these three races, he's actually made four errors already, right? And I'm going to quote uh, Helmut Marco on track limits. You know, he said that Max Verstappen has actually lost a pole position, a race win, and the fastest lap to track limits in 2021 already. More on this in a second. We shall dissect this in more detail. And, and this is going to be a very fun aspect to do so. But very briefly, guys, uh, in case you didn't know already, because you follow Bits the Podium and the Inside Line F1 podcast, we have a partnership with Puma going on. Puma Inside Line is the code. That is down in the description. And yes, you can win a 5% discount on all of Puma Motorsport India's merchandise. We just ordered some good stuff in the back right there. And, and it's amazing. Bags, caps, hats, t-shirts, shoes, whatever. All good stuff. And followers for our special combination for the Monaco GP. More information on that in our newsletter, which you can also subscribe to with the link down in the description. That is just reminding you of the good stuff that we do. Now, let's get into it uninterrupted to speak about the race action. And you're absolutely right, Kunal. The Helmut Marko, he may seem a bit, a bit too pinpoint, perhaps a bit too uh, audacious at times to say stuff like this. But when you come to think of it, he's got a point, you know? I think he's got a point because, you know, 
these mistakes have actually cost Max Verstappen several points in the drivers' championship. You know, he's eight points down on Lewis Hamilton after three races. But the question one really has to ask is, could it actually have been Max who would have been leading the drivers' championship? You know, in Bahrain, it cost him the race win. In Imola, it cost him pole position. In Portimao, again, a pole position. And then it cost him P2 to Lewis Hamilton in the race, right? So, Again, very small errors. They are no longer the big errors that we have seen or we remember from, you know, the Verstappen of the old when he just made his Red Bull Racing debut. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners and viewers from the Netherlands and, you know, who are genuine fans of Max Verstappen and, you know, as they should be because of his superlative talent, you know, they'll be like, what is this guy sitting in his, you know, home office Pull, you know, picking up on Max Verstappen's mistakes. But guys, all I'm trying to say is we don't see Lewis Hamilton make such mistakes, especially when he is, you know, in a title chasing or a title winning car. Yes, I know people are going to point out his mistake in Imola, but that was one rare mistake in several, several races that we can remember. So all I'm trying to say, Samuel, and I, I hope you agree with me because I know a lot of people won't, but Max really needs to clean up his act and make the most of the Red Bull Honda package that he's got under him. It's a bit of a bomb. I'll, I'll, I'll not disagree with that bit. It's a bit of a tricky one to digest, but when you look at it deep down, it makes sense. And that's not that's not by saying that, okay, it's not like we could have done it any better. We can't do anything even remotely close to what Max Verstappen does. There's a reason why he's Max Verstappen, right? But in the context of a championship, I think that accumulates towards the very end. Classic example, fastest lap. Verstappen had it in his bag. And then those track limits, which he deemed as stupid, in a light matter, he, he didn't mean to say, oh, track limits are stupid. You get the idea, basically. Uh, and they eventually cost him that one extra point. And... Yeah, we might look stupid to say, but it's just one point. Let it go. Don't focus on it too much. Brazil 2008 happened by one point. <laughs> so, uh, and, 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 and Portugal 1984 happened by half a point. So, exactly. I'm not even going to say anything on that one. But the main idea right here is that the margins are very limited. And what it reminds me is a conversation that I had with Dilba Kil, team president and CEO of Mahindra Racing. Uh, Marrakesh 2017, uh, to, uh, season three, Formula E. First time that they were leading a race, Felix Rosenquist was doing a lovely job right there. They lost. So I asked what, what happened right there. He said, we, we maybe have to learn how to win a race. So the same thing with Max. He's never been in a position of fighting for a championship ever, if you come to think of it. Perhaps this is his learning. Maybe he's learning how to fight for a championship because he's already done that for race wins and podiums and pole positions and whatnot. Maybe this is a learning. And who knows? The season is so long enough that you could still have that learning and eventually have enough time to find yourself being the world champion. Maybe that could be the way it goes eventually. You're right. And, you know, it's, it's, it's been long said, you know, Mercedes and uh, Lewis Hamilton race-winning, championship-winning machinery. And I've just quickly opened up Wikipedia because I'm about to say something even more controversial that, uh-huh. you know, I can't remember when Max Verstappen last won a championship, right? So it is about what you just said. Again, it's very sensational that I'm saying this, but, uh, you know, in in the, the lower formula, the junior formula as well, 
you know, it goes back to 2014. The Sunfoot Masters is when he actually won a race that classifies him as first. But, you know, nothing that I can see in Formula 3 or or anything lower than that. Yes, he's, you know, progressed into Formula 1 with fairly, uh, uh, you know, a few, uh, you know, races in junior Formula. And again, not trying to sensationalize this, just adding to your point that winning races and winning championships is a habit. And that's a habit Hamilton and Mercedes have cultivated over several years. And for Max to break that habit, to, to make it his habit, he needs to stop this habit of making mistakes. Now, enough of habits. We can move on. Kunal, <laughs> <laughs> uh, by any chance, have you read the book The Winning Way by Harsha and Anita Bogle? Uh, they, they literally mention the same thing in the first chapter. It's amazing. They say that winning is a habit. You have to cultivate it. The great Australian cricket team of the late 90s and early 2000s, they are a good example of that. Or even Manchester United. Again, I'm biased. I'm a fan. Uh, but that that's that's Max Verstappen's mistakes that we have to focus on. But you have to focus on the winners as well, right? About how you develop that winning habit. And I know we have said this a couple of times this season, but maybe not just the car anymore. So uh, Lewis has the bargaining chip at the negotiations table because that right there was proper driving class by Lewis Hamilton. I think it was, Samuel. And, you know, the very fact that he could make these moves with so much ease, he had more race pace than Valtteri Bottas. You know, he pulled off those moves when he needed to to sort of pull them off. And, uh, you know, again, one of those races where is it about the car? Is it about the driver? We are getting answers in, you know, in, in real-time sport. And I think Hamilton pulling off the move on Valtteri Bottas also solved a headache or rather saved Mercedes the headache of issuing team orders. Because all of us in, you know, in the studio were wondering, is Mercedes going to, you know, issue team orders? Because clearly a race win, maybe even a one-two was at, was at stake at that point of time. And, you know, him just uh, sweeping past Botas on turn <laughs> one made sure that they didn't need to take such a harsh decision. So, all in all, a brilliant effort by Lewis Hamilton. Each time I say this, I know Lucien is going to write to me saying, there you go, praising uh, Lewis Hamilton for all he does. He's got the fastest car. And, you know, to me, I think I think 2021 is definitely turning to be a season yet where Lewis is proving it's not just about the car. It's also about his talent. And I must also, you know, while we are, of course, uh, praising Lewis Hamilton, we have to praise Valtteri Bottas's uh, lap in qualifying, I would say, Sawmill, because I did a qualifying analysis uh, and, you know, it literally till the last corner, the exit, Lewis Hamilton is actually marginally ahead of Valtteri Bottas and Bottas just got a better drive through the last corner and across the finish line to go 0.007 seconds ahead of Hamilton. So, you know, Great, uh, great turnaround by Mercedes, I would say, because, you know, typically they've they've turned up not being the fastest car, uh, you know, uh, on the grid. But it certainly seems Indeed, like... It was a great turnaround. And, and some some stunning stuff from Bottas in qualifying, wasn't it? And that was a track with tailwind. It was very tricky to drive, barely any grip at all. Resurfaced as well, by the way, the circuit. That is a driver's effort from Valtteri Bottas. But it just just sort of misses out in the race for some reason. And uh, you have to listen to Bottas's interview that he gave to Formula One after the race was done. And he just said that, I don't know, man, I seem to miss the pace on the medium compounds. And 
that was a bit strange. Hamilton had it on the mediums. Hamilton had it on the hearts. Now, Christian Orner uh, recently came off to Sky Sports. Uh, that was last week and said that, oh, Mercedes, we have the edge in the early parts of the stint, Red Bull, but Mercedes get it on the long runs. Now, one might say, looking at the context of this race, that yeah, that makes sense because Mercedes on the hard compound tires really got into a particular zone. And then Hamilton aced past, got past Verstappen as well. That was an excellent move, by the way. And then got it all done. But what, what are your thoughts on this, Kunal? Is Mercedes really better on the long stints or is it just a case of gamesmanship and trying to pass on the advantage to the other team? I think, Samil, the, the, the performance, the competitive advantage ebbs and flows with changing track condi- conditions and changing you know, several other variables that go. Because in Portimao, on Friday... Uh, one lap pace, the two teams, there was almost nothing to choose from. But when it came to race pace, Red Bull were marginally ahead, you know, based on all the simulations that everyone had done. So at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's just, uh, you know, both the teams saying, we are not the favorites, the other ones are, and trying to sort of fend off the pressure that comes with it. Although I really hope that, you know, one team stands up and says, that's it, we are the fastest, we are going to come for pole, we're going to come for the race win and the championship win this season. But, you know, I think we got to probably wait uh, for, for a team to stand up and, and do that. Exactly. Last bit, uh, focusing on the top three, basically, uh, is the restart that we have to speak about. Bottas backing everyone up, much like Mugello 2020 as well. This time only, it was a lot more safer. But what it did do, was create a window for Max Verstappen to pass Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton, of course, fixed that mistake. And, and you have to listen to this interview as well. Because Lewis said, I won't be disappointed over the mistake that I made. He didn't pin it on Bottas. He said that I won't be disappointed over the mistake I made because I fixed it later on. And I'm very happy about that. The way a champion thinks, seriously, it's, it's amazing. But secondly... It was a chance for Max to really seal the deal, but long run pace again, Mercedes stamping their resume. So what are your thoughts on this? How do you think this is going to play out throughout the season? Is it just a one-off or what's it like going to? You know, firstly, we have to commend Valtteri Bottas for a brilliant uh, uh, restart. I think he, he did really well to make sure that he kept his track position intact. And, you know, at the end of the day, Samuel, I think Bottas and Perez will end up being bystanders, uh, you know, to a Hamilton versus a Verstappen fight. And, uh, you know, both uh, both the wingmen, so to say, uh, you know, have unable have been unable to come to the fight uh, as much as they would have liked. So as the season progresses, I just expect Hamilton and, you know, Verstappen to sort of hit another gear and just pull away that much more. So then, let's focus on the midfield. This is going to be interesting because there was some chopping and changing going around here quite a lot, but there was one constant, Kunal, and the one constant was Lando Norris, best of the rest. Believe you me, Lando Norris is actually in P3 in the championship right now ahead of Sergio Perez, Valtteri Bottas, Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz, you name it, the, the, the biggest drivers that you can possibly think of. This man is only in his third Formula One season, but he's matured like fine wine, even in three years. I don't think fine wine matures so well in three years, but Landon Norris has been <laughs> at the top of his game so far this season. He has, and you know, he was extremely disappointed after Friday free practice. He said, 
I don't even think we're going to make it to the top 10. He managed oh. a P7 in qualifying. He wasn't the happiest after that, but he was in sensational form in the race. He overtook the likes of, uh, I think, Ocon and Leclerc and even uh, yes. even uh, Checo Perez. So all in all, you know, Lando Norris is ending up, you know, he, he's shining brighter than anyone expected him to do so. And against... Uh, Daniel Ricardo. Now I know we still will go back to saying yes, but Ricardo's had you know fewer uh, miles in the in 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 that car and fewer time with the team and so on. But you know the only reason I'm making the comparison is is to purely say that you know when both the McLaren drivers are able to extract what Lando is able to extract, Merce, uh, McLaren are going to be a massive force to reckon with later half of the season. It's going to be crazy. It's going to create the most amazing inter-team battle, an entertaining one as well, not just on the track, because you know the charisma and the character of these drivers. But, wow, man, I think it's going to be fun. I think that's going to be one thing that I pay to watch, literally. This is going to be stunning. But Norris, again, superb. Ricciardo getting a hang of it. He gets into P8. Charles Leclerc was P6 this time out for Ferrari. He didn't. He said that it was not the best weekend for him. But, hey, P6 out of that Ferrari, considering everything that went on, still beating the Alpines. So, good on Ferrari and Charles Leclerc. But uh, his teammate, we shall speak about him because we had big, so, a big hope spin on him in qualifying. More on that in a second. But first, Kunal, Alpine. So, I'll, I'll come to this. Alpine, I had no hopes whatsoever. I said they're going to be interesting after uh, free practice and qualifying, but I was still wondering why. Why? What's happening, right? Alpine don't have the strongest engine in the world whatsoever. Last year, Renault were clearly the fourth fastest, which is last, by the way. And this year, with the car lacking that sort of downforce after the changes to the radiator positions and everything, it seemed like it's going to be a sluggish season for Renault, much like uh, for Alpine, I'm sorry. See, <laughs> that's the first time it's happened this season. But they don't have the pace in the corners. The engine isn't the fastest. But the speed traps are just proving the opposite. They, and it's not like they have a low drag setup as well. It doesn't seem so... Uh, so explicitly low drag, but still the new upgrades are clearly working for them. And I'm, I'm still sort of puzzled as to where this mystery base is coming from because they're not the best in class in anything, but they're still going out there and shooting in some really good performances. What's, what's going on at Alpine? Seven and eight, by the way, Esteban Ocon, massive salute. He beat Fernando Alonso clean this weekend. Yeah, he did. But, you know, Alpine just probably have found a sweet spot in their setup, which made uh, made them really good at uh, at Portimao. And, you know, it was their second race with a double points finish, uh, you know, so that's a, another good thing uh, for them, I would say. Samuel Fernando Alonso also in the points, you know, he said he was angry after Saturday and he channelized that anger into, uh, you know, uh, you know, some really gritty race performances on, on Sunday, I would say. Overall, I think it's, it's great to see Alpine fight and the the upgrades you spoke about, you know, the, the midfield battles, Somil, are probably a tenth or two apart from each team. And that's probably yeah. the pace where Alpine has found and suddenly are, you know, finding themselves in the reckoning. And uh, at the end of the day, I think uh, Ocon's performance this weekend was, you know, standout, you know, in qualifying, in the race as well. I think the blue cards look beautiful and they, they went about beautiful as well. The only one cause of concern, which, you know, is, is, uh, is that they are in fifth place, but they are still less than 
you know, I think they're one third the points of, of, of Ferrari in fourth place. So, uh, you know, it all goes to see if they are able to sort of make up this deficit as the season progresses. And again, I only expect Alonso to get better as he gets more miles under his belt in that Alpine car. So double points for Alpine. And uh, very briefly, Kunal, just to digress, uh, what is it like? I mean, you've been a part of Force India for a long, long time. And those sort of tricky years where Force India did not outright have midfield leading pace, which they developed later on, by the way. So what, what is it like when a team is clearly not doing the best in terms of their competition, but then you get that big double points? How does it change the mood in the team and what kind of impact can it have on the season later on? You know, Samuel, in any sport, momentum is extremely crucial, right? And, you know, for Alpine, this momentum is what they've actually set in pace since uh, last year with their podium finishes with Ricardo and Ocon and so on. So for them, they've actually sort of, you know, taken a step back from last year because they were clearly challenging McLaren, but are, are clearly not doing so yet this season. So they're, they're trying to claw back, you know, that performance deficit. And in the end, it, it's just the momentum that matters. And results like these, you know, when you have both drivers in the points, when, you know, a, a statement of intent from all three spokespersons, so Marcin Butkowski, Fernando Alonso, and Esteban Ocon have all said, we're in Formula One to battle the likes of Ferrari and McLaren. And we are very happy to have done that this weekend. So it's, it, these things are big morale boosters. And let's also remember Alpine is out there all by themselves figuring this all out because all other teams have sort of alliances and customer and manufacturer relationships. Alpine is doing this all by themselves without a competitive benchmark. So hats off to them. And, you know, like I said, I'm excited to see what Alonso is able to do once he sort of sets in because, you know, Lando Norris, Charles Leclerc, Valtteri Bottas, Checo Perez, you know, these three drivers are fighting for P3. They're separated just by 15 points. You know, once the likes of Ricardo and, and uh, you know, even Alonso and Ocon are able to sort of set, you know, set their momentum going like, you know, like the Alpine drivers did this weekend, it, that fight is only going to get that much more fun. You know, it's a 23 race long calendar. We've got 20 races to go. So while we will focus on, you know, a, a, a Verstappen versus Hamilton battle, which, by the way, we've actually had a 100% record. Three out of three races, we've seen the drivers go, go wheel to wheel, right? Uh, but yes, yeah, so while we will focus on that battle, this midfield battle is only going to go that much more intensive as the races progress. That's very true. Speaking of midfield battle, that's uh, that's a very interesting point that we must bring out. Carlos Sainz, we had a hope spinned on him. He he showed excellent form last year in Portimao, didn't he? Just not working out in his favor. P11, then uh, his is half teammate of sorts because they've got the similar engine and a technical alliance. Kimi Raikkonen having a bit of a crazy one with the with the front wing issue. And you know the reason why he had that crash canal that. It's it's bizarre, but he was focusing on his screen. Now, I thought that was a problem that we youngsters had a lot, not 40-year-old drivers <laughs> in Formula 1 are focusing on screens too much. But hey, if it can happen to Kimmy, it can happen to anyone, right? So, so I've got a defensive excuse to my parents now when they say, oh, you spend too much time on your phone, which is 
which is a sad thing. I have to cut that down. Still, you get the idea. Yeah, well, that's a very, very good analogy, Somil. I must say, Kimi Raikkonen is always a great excuse to have in for anything we want to do in life. But, you know, Kimi said he got pulled in by the slipstream and then, you know, the distraction of the screen. But he actually gave us, uh, you know, a safety car for the first time, right, did, at yeah. Portimao. But more importantly, Somil, he gave us the manscaped lawn mower moment of the race. It was actually a surprise when you suddenly saw Kimi losing his front wing. And then he, of course, took to the gravel trap and had to, you know, come to a stop at turn one. <laughs> but that was a lawnmower moment of the race. And guys, you know, for everyone wondering, uh, Manscaped is also signed on as, uh, as a partner of the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pits to Podium. So you can get a 20% discount on Manscaped products by using the discount code that's going to be mentioned in the episode description as well. It's a thing now. See, we said it, Manscaped lawnmower of the day uh, moment. So, uh, the short, short backstory to this. I think we can just take 10 seconds to explain that. Kunal has been in marketing for over two decades or something. He, he knows his marketing, right? And, and, and think of it, Manscaped lawnmower moment of the day. Outrageously good. <laughs> but we're hard. Just, uh, so if you, just as good as their products are, Samuel. You know, great to have two partnerships uh, for, for what for the work we do. You know, we've got Puma Motorsport and now we've got Manscaped. And guys, Manscaped is actually a global opportunity. So they ship to the United States and uh, to other parts of America. They ship to Europe. And, you know, I believe they also ship to Australia and New Zealand. So great, you know, Go ahead and get that grooming product of yours. And I've only heard good things. No biases, but I've genuinely only heard good things. So that's that's a bit of a plus. Finally, uh, last point that we have to look out to today. It's going to be my pitch to body moment of the day. I know we've kept it a bit too late on. But Mick Schumacher beat Nicholas Latifi. Oh, uh, no, nothing against Nicholas Latifi. I, I like him. He's a very likable personality, but... Come on, that house is not supposed to be there. That Williams has constantly just nudged at the edge of the top 10. Mick Schumacher got it, Kunal. Mick, Mick Schumacher really passed Nicholas Latifi. And there was, a, there was a point when he was flirting with George Russell as well. On the track, that is, I mean to say. Off the track, I don't know. That's not, that's not my business, but still. Uh, interesting. Uh, good, good to see first good steps from Mick. It is. And, you know, just his third race of the season, uh, you know, he was... Pounding onto Nicholas Latifi. Everyone was waiting to see when will Mick pull off the move. And then Nick Latifi, you know, made a mistake under pressure. Uh, what surprises me is Latifi is technically more senior than Mick, right? He's supposedly in a faster car than Mick, which was Williams. I mean, I'm, I'm comparing two of the slowest cars in Formula One right now. But I was a little surprised that Latifi actually made that mistake. And, you know, their tires, both of them were on the hard tires. It wasn't like a, you know, gigantic, uh, you know, uh, life advantage that Mick had or something. But Mick said post-race, Samuel, that had he actually overtaken uh, Latifi before, he could have probably gotten to George Russell as well. And to me, that would have been some statement. You know, the 2020 and the 2018 F2 champions going head-to-head in a Formula One car. That would have been fun. But, you know, all things aside, I think great... (laughs) to see Mick doing uh, something which has sort of caused many headlines, at least on our channels, you know, and, uh, and uh, I think uh, 
it's going to be fun to see how he sort of adapts as the season progresses because that's why he has been put in in that slow moving horse slow moving and unpredictably moving horse as well if, if you know what i mean to say that's the different car but at least hey, one horse uh, is unpredictable you know <laughs> yeah and let's end it at that no no more on that we've spoken about that enough but uh, the, the good point is maybe 2024 air market whatever uh, maybe we could see them fighting in in a mercedes versus a ferrari mick and george it's always destined to be let's see whatever happens but finally kunal a uh, good weekend on the whole really enjoyable race to watch in patches some people said it was boring uh, i did not think it was boring by the way i enjoy drives like this one your final thoughts and next up it's barcelona and many of the teams and drivers said man we don't know where we're going to be at barcelona which is a good sign for us <laughs> yes i think i think anyone saying the race was boring should probably write to me either on twitter or via our facebook page or instagram because i think this was a really good motor race we had overtakes we had fights we had battles we also had strategy playing in a fair bit you know we saw you know uh, slow pit stops actually costing drivers track position and and so on and so forth right so I think it was a good mix of all the elements that we like to see in Formula 1. So that's that's my view about Portimao. Coming to Barcelona, it's actually a you know a drive into the unknown because this year's pre-season test was actually held in Bahrain. So one doesn't know how the 2021 cars are going to perform at a track where teams otherwise have thousands of miles of testing data from, right? So it's all to play for in just a few days of time. Yes and you can also participate in our Grand Prix prediction league at Pista Podium where you can predict and win some really big prizes more information on that in the description along with our discount code for Manscaped Pure Motorsport India and what else us a newsletter as well see we're, we're building up momentum here we're building steam very 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 quickly but folks thank you for watching thank you for listening thank you for being a part of this one canal and we shall see you for Barcelona it's a double header so not too long now absolutely see you guys and see you samuel for barcelona we'll be back with our pre race video or the race preview as we call it so look out for that it did see you folks bye 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 bye